Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck. They are Ronald J. Martin and Barnabas Piper. And uh, boys, we've got a we've got a fun one on tap today. Uh, but before we get into to all the fun, uh, Pipe, you have to take care of some business, man, because again, it is uh, it is raining sponsors on this program. So <laughs> it why is, don't you tell us about a couple of books? It is raining sponsors. One of them is the same sponsor we had last week, who is Tyndale House Publishers and Nav Press. They're sort of a, they're a publishing conglomerate. I think that's the technical term. Dude, actually, yeah. actually, what that really means is Tyndale bailed Nav Press out when they were really struggling. But um, that's <laughs> a little, little behind the scenes business in the publishing world. Dude, if we ever become uh, the Happy Rand and Reformed Pubcast, then we'll know that it's time to get out of the business. Uh, and you know this is I mean? the point. This is the point at which I need to sign off, Big T, because that will never. Absolutely, that can never happen, man. That can never happen. (laughs) We are a conglomerate. We don't combine. That's right. We We don't have to join forces with other people. We are who we are. Right. We buy and sell other podcasts. Here, here we stand, and we can do no other. To quote, absolutely, uh, the great Martin Luther. Right, and to keep us a little reform, keep us on the reform. Right. We, yeah, we, we will outreform you know? the reformed guys. We actually do outreform the reform guys because at the end of the day, oh, we're so probably right. more Luther. Well, we're probably more Luther than we are Calvin. We're we're a little less uh, pretentious. We're we're a little less. Uh, <laughs> You know, we're a little less kind of kind of stuck up about it. I think, and we yell, you, we yell at people more, kind of like Luther. Yes, um, yeah. yeah I, I'm we make fun of people like Luther. Oh, we I make love it. absolutely. Yeah, yeah we, we just, smoke cigars like Luther. I do. So, so would you say so? Then can we just say that Reform Pub is a little more Calvin and, and HR is a little more Luther? I like that, dude. I, I like that from a branding standpoint. I like what it does to my self confidence, too, big team. Mine too, baby. I, I love what it does to all of ourselves confidence is totally okay. yes i'm okay with that comparison through and through yeah the the book that i'm supposed to be highlighting right now is called <laughs> next door as it is in heaven by lance ford and brad briscoe both of those guys are church planters uh missional church planting trainers they head up uh the centralized conference and network and so what the book is is helping us bring basically the mission of discipleship, the mission of sharing the gospel, the mission of connecting with people for the gospel into our neighborhoods, the idea being that neighborhoods used to be where people had their closest connections, and that's no longer true. So they they give real practical ways to look into hospitality and neighborliness and all of that in in the sense of creating a true community. So it's not it's not like church small group community, but rather creating a community in your neighborhood. And so that's Next Door as it is in heaven. It's available now. Lance Ford and Brad Brisker are the authors. Thanks to Tyndale House and Nav Press for sponsoring us with that. The other hey, we, Pipe, we got a yeah. visual on those guys. Are we, are we talking about a hipster situation here? You know what? These guys are kind of pre-hipster. They're, uh, gotcha. they're, they're, a, little bit, they're a little bit older than that. But they, okay. they look like somebody you might actually like to have as your neighbor. So, Dude, not, wow. so, so not a hipster. Ted, no, we that's, call a, that's those, a huge endorsement, actually. We call those like pripsters. That. Pre-hipsters or pripsters. Just remember that. <laughs> oh, that, that sounded almost like prepster, which is a little bit like yupster. Which it is, is but it's not. Hipster. It's right. not. It's, it's a pripster, right? Okay, we got to get yeah. our okay. straight. Got it. Yeah. Okay. No, they. They. Uh, I, I looked them up so that I would know who Good. we were endorsing. And I looked at these guys, and I was like, if those guys were my next-door neighbors, I think uh, I think I would enjoy. Yeah, you could live enjoy. with that. Yeah, absolutely. I would enjoy nice. having them as neighbors. Um, yeah, that's good to know. Can't say that about every author out there, so... Props no, to, certainly props not. Props to Lance and Brad. 
You can't say that about hipster authors ever, right? Ever. Hence that, nope. that comment we got from the angry guy, you know, online about, you know, making fun of hipsters. And we oh, can kind of delve down that path after you're right. Yeah, yeah that people. was, yeah, hipsters are <laughs> an unreached people group, apparently. Piper, Dude, tell you I what, love man, that. finish your endorsement and then let's talk about that for one second before we dive into it. Because I think, right, I think it needs to be covered. I think it needs to be covered. So, you can suss that out, Big R. Yeah. This, this next book uh, is uh, one that's published by Waterbrook Multnomah. Uh, which is that's your guys' publisher for your most recent book, correct? Indeed, it is. So the fine people of Waterbrook are supporting us with a different book. It's not Bridezilla of Christ, your excellent work. It is a book with a really fantastic title uh, by Mark Batterson. It's called "In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day." <clears throat> Wait a minute, I've heard of that thing. Did that come out like a long time it's, ago? Right? It's that they are re-releasing and revising it. So this ah, is a this is a new edition of a book that's been out for a while. But yeah. So here's the thing about this book. Uh, that title is from a story in I think. Yeah, Second Samuel, which when I was a kid, it's it it's literally a one sentence Bible story where it's talking about the great men of David and this one guy whose name I can't pronounce because it's an Old Testament name, it's something like Beniah. It says he chased a lion. Which down. there's 16 kids in our church named that, by the way. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> but, you, you're, yeah. you're clearly a Reformed church. Probably Absolutely. a bunch of homeschoolers. Uh, yeah. Benaiah chased a lion down into a pit. Then despite the snow and slippery ground, he caught the lion and killed it. That's the whole story. Yeah. Which I always well loved. I always loved that as a kid. That's not the whole book. That's the Bible story. Yeah. But the book is about basically uh, the concept that at the end of your life, you will regret the things that you did not pursue, the, the dreams, the goals, the, the things that God has called you to that you did not pursue. So what are you not doing to step out in courage? Uh, mm. For example, killing lions in the snow. Um, yeah. So Batterson is the author. He, he's written a whole bunch of books. Circle Maker was probably his most famous one and all the spinoff products. He's the pastor of National Community Church in Washington, D.C., which is right near Capitol Hill. <clears throat> they also run this really cool little coffee house near Capitol Hill and near the train station there. So if you're ever there, it's called Ebenezer's Coffee House. So if you're ever looking for a nice Americano while touring uh, around the mall in D.C., go check out Ebenezer's. Um, but that's the book, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. They, uh, it, it releases the day after this podcast releases, the new edition does. So uh, go ahead and order it, and it will be in your mailbox shortly. So thanks to Waterbrook Multnomah for sponsoring us with that one. Nice. I like that. Nicely done. Beautifully done. And Big R, I I feel like you've got something on your mind vis-a-vis hipsters, man. No, man. (laughs) I just thought – no, 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 no. I just – I kind of didn't until one of you guys just said something about pripsters. That was you who said that about pripsters. Oh, when I said that thing about (laughs) pripsters, it reminded me of what I wanted to say that I wasn't remembering what I wanted to say about, which was – what I think it was you, Pipe. What was that – what was a little bit of that, that back and forth action you got with somebody who was saying we were being, you know, we weren't being very missional and very Christ-like to yeah, hipsters? So, so and- last week, um, during a text exchange between the three of us, uh, we started batting around the core values of hipsterdom. And Ted was inspired and wrote it up into a very entertaining blog post that went up at the Blazing <laughs> Center. And uh, so I shared this on Twitter, pushed it out there, just like, hey, read this post. And, uh, and a gentleman – We'll call him a gentleman, uh, responded and said – and basically said, how can we ever reach this people group for Christ if all we do is mock them? And, uh, and, and I, I didn't, didn't quite know how to respond to that. And so, yeah. You don't even know how to talk about it right I now. I, I, I don't even know what this – I didn't – He's do. probably – here's the thing. He's probably right. But it's really obnoxious. Well, no, my, you know? my response to him was I said, I said uh, don't worry. They don't know we're mocking them because no hipster knows they're a hipster. 
Yeah, that's true, man. And uh, that's he, true. Came, he came back at me and chastised me for my flippant attitude about their souls. And uh, Dude, about the serious discussion that he was trying to have on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, Come on, Pipe. I know. I, he, hey, Chad, remember where you are. You're on Twitter. Nothing, okay? so, nothing corrects a soul faster than a, than a Twitter correction. <laughs> no, yeah, here's nothing, the thing, makes, man. nothing makes me repent faster than somebody calling me a dummy on Twitter. You Dude, better he just, believe he it. He missed the point because one of the ways that you that you reach the hipster and possibly pripster community is uh, <laughs> is you, you speak with a lot of irony. I mean, I mean that is the yeah. lingo of the hipster, yeah. and that I mean, that's right. You know, a, a hipster should be able to read something funny about themselves and sarcastic about themselves, and understand that at the very least they have to laugh at it because part of being a hipster is is understanding uh, that that type of irony that goes along or with it. Or at least it. So, it, I mean, here's the thing: if we if you make fun of hipsters the way that blog post did, they will read it and laugh at all of their friends who are just like that. Absolutely, and completely exactly. miss all of it about themselves. So let is, me just say that we are being we are being as missional as humanly possible to hipsters mm. because we are using their language to try to reach them with the message of Christ. That's right. Did, Ern- baby, that's so sound. Earnestness, <laughs> earnestness and directness just won't play. You, Guys, you, I'm, I'm literally – I'm typing out the proposal right now for the book on that that we're going to write. Well, and Big R, you have a unique voice in this, in this space as it were because you are not only a man of the cloth, a man of the – Vintage distressed cloth. You're you're our resident hipster on the program as well. You know, and so. I and I gotta say, Big T, it was you wear many little, hats. It was a little disturbing when you uh, <laughs> many military hats. It was <laughs> yeah. a little disconcerting when I read your description of me uh, on the front okay, of front baby, house talk yard. About that. The, the eight, aging hipster, begin? aging oh, okay. hipster. I meant aging in the reverse because of the tea that you're drinking. But, but I meant to say reverse aging. I think you meant to say it. You failed to say it, and and now you got a wounded hipster uh, comrade on the other end of the, w- the phone w- wounded right Wounded warrior, man. Hey, listen. You know what? Let the healing begin. So, you, so you would be like okay. a formerly aging current hipster. Well, well I mean, current hipster. how serious are you guys about youthberry? I think that's what the question is. <laughs> if you guys are serious about youthberry, there's nothing aging about me. I'm I'm pre-aging. I'm I'm praging right now. Like Praging. I'm gonna You're turn. Praging. I'm gonna turn into a pripster. <laughs> you are. You know it. You're gonna be a pre-hipster. That's what I mean, because I'm de-aging. I'm gauging right now. I'm drinking. Mm. You're in a word combining just role today. This, this You know, I'm a is, pastor. It's all about alliteration. You know that, that Pipe. Dude, you're, you're engaging the culture, man. That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, boys, we've got, uh, we've got a lot to cover today on the program, as always. And, uh, and Big R, I'm glad you brought that to our attention. That, needed, uh, that conversation needed to happen, man, truly. Yeah, well, I need to heal. Uh, I need, I need yeah. to heal. Dude, you need to heal. We need to walk through this with you, man. And uh, part of how we're going to do that uh, is we're going to talk. We're going to talk about some other fun things, and we're going to get your mind off of that that hurt. Okay, and that's, um, that's good counseling, man. I feel like I'm speaking to David Powelson right now. I mean, this is this <laughs> dude, is really reaching into my collective you know, soul right now. Lean, lean into that with me, Ronnie. David Powelson. Right? David Powelson loves sarcasm and irony as a therapy tactic. So, <clears throat> dude, we're, right. we're right on track. Yeah. Well, CCEF. Yeah. I mean, there it is. Yep. That's right. Well, boys, we've got, uh, as I said, several things to talk about, one of which is uh, this issue pipe. And you brought this up of, uh, of plagiarism. And we've seen this kind of we've seen it kind of play out at a high level with uh, with Jurisky and some book publishing stuff. Um, but the kind of the context that you brought it up in was in the context of uh, just bloggers and like people ripping off like whole chunks, whole paragraphs, whole even bios or sections of bios from blog posts and I mean, plagiarism is one of those topics that, I mean, it's sort of like, yeah, you say, well, 
that yeah, it sucks. I'm against that, you know. And and what more can you say about it? But there's actually I, I think some interesting stuff to be said. Certainly, uh, I see it in the classroom as a professor. So I'll, I'll let you guys riff, um, and then uh, and then I'll say a little bit about about what I see at the college level. Yeah. So the context this came up in was that uh, a friend of mine who is a she's a she's a blogger has a, a good following, very loyal readership. She wrote an article. I think it went up. I want to say Christianity Today uh, recently. Their website um, about plagiarism, and she relayed uh, a story of somebody who took almost an entire chunk of her sort of about page on her blog and used it as theirs. So it, it's almost like saying, "Well, I don't really have an identity, so I'm just going to take yours." And uh, <laughs> but then, but then, what made it crazy was that this person denied it, even though you can do sort of a you know a search and compare, and you go, "Those, yeah. those are the exact same verbiage." And then it happened to her again not too long ago. I ran into a situation where I wrote a blog post and somebody else they didn't they didn't technically plagiarize in terms of wording, but they followed my exact outline and wrote the exact same post, mm. never linking back to mine. And that's and I think that's part of it is is where are you giving credit for where you're getting this stuff versus where are you claiming it as your own? Because it, it's fine to reshare other people's stuff. That's not plagiarism yeah. as long yeah. as you're saying, hey, this is somebody else's stuff. Mm. Big R, what's your experience with, uh, with, with plagiarism? You know, man, it's weird because, you know, obviously, you know, I, I, I agree with all of that, you know, and I think that it's like it's kind of a fine line, isn't it? I mean, so it's like everybody's stealing everything all the time. We just have to sort of, we have to say that like, hey, I heard something someone said and it turned into something. And so, yeah, that's not a word for word thing that I'm quoting, but I kind of got my idea from the germ of an idea from somebody else. So in a sense, what is that plagiarism? And then if you come from the, uh, if you come from the music end of things, like I did all those years, I mean, there's a lot of this where there's, you know, every time I play three chords and sing a melody, it's, it's going to mimic something and it might be, influenced by something and so even you're seeing a lot of that pop up now where like artists are like suing other artists for like stealing a melody but it's like oh my gosh man i mean it's like it's like there's only so many melodies there's only so many ways of phrasing these things and you know i i don't know how far you 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 go with it unless it's a direct quote like pipe just laid out but um is this just another way that we're becoming like super sensitive and we think we can gain a larger platform by saying somebody with a bigger platform is taking from us Oh man, that's. I, go ahead, Pipe. Go ahead. The the thing that it it on the extreme ends, it's very obvious when somebody's doing this. You know, if they claim word, if they take word for word sections of somebody else, so this wouldn't apply to music because you know chord progressions and whatever else are probably a little bit. Uh, I don't know. They're they're probably a little bit harder to pin down. But like, you if you take an entire paragraph from yeah, somebody yeah. else's work and you drop it into yours and it's just seamlessly in there as if it, and so you are presenting it as your own that's theft i mean you're stealing somebody else's idea and it's a really easy thing not to do right because you can take that exact same paragraph and just say you know as ronnie martin said in or you know drop a little footnote in there and actually drop in the source or whatever like that's so easy to do and it and you, you're giving credit to the source material. Where it's fuzzy is when you get into that intellectual property idea. So we ran, I ran into this instance with another friend recently where he wrote a short book on, on some leadership stuff. And another guy came to him and said, hey, you used my material in there. But mm. what's fuzzy is that the other guy didn't originate the material either. They're all sort of drawing from this <laughs> – they're, they're yeah. drawing from a small pool of content 
And so there, people are going to arrive at the same conclusions. If they're influenced by the same people, they're going to use the same phrasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, sure. my, sure. that's my point. And right? so, like, so if, like yeah. if you go listen to Reformed pastors who are influenced by John Piper and Tim Keller, they're going to sound like they're plagiarizing each other. They sure. all sound the same. Yeah, because, right. absolutely. But, but is that plagiarism or is that, is that sort of a, a family of influence? That's a yeah. family of influence. But I think it cro- – don't you think it crosses over though? Because I mean it's weird because if we start using all the same phrases that turn into the same sentences that lead into paragraphs that sound moderately the, you know, the, the same. I know that's not taking an exact quote. But in a sense, we're, we're all borrowing all the time, right, to sort of assemble our own thoughts. Yeah, I mean every, every idea has, has its DNA from other ideas. You know, you, you hear something and it forms into something else. And I think so if you're a creator, so you're, you're composing music, you're writing something, the goal is to create something that is as true to your voice as it can be. Right. Now, if your voice is strikingly similar to somebody else's, that's tough. Or if you're somebody who, who learned how to write by imitating – which a lot of people do, and that's not a bad thing necessarily. You, you still run into it, but the, the it's still really easy not to plagiarize. It's yeah, for incredibly real. For easy sure. not to plagiarize. It to to plagiarize either takes extreme ignorance or extreme. I don't give a crap about this. Like there's there's those are the only two options as far. Do as you I can think? Tell. Um, well, hold, let me ask though. And T, maybe you can deal with this, man. Is yeah. what do you, I mean? What do you? <laughs> I mean, do you think, you know, but look, every, when you take a quote from somebody, you got to quote them, right? Sometimes you'll yeah, take, course. A, you'll of take course. a thought from somebody and you'll flesh it out in your own way. There's nothing to quote there. You've just kind of yeah. taken like, like literally a germ of what someone says and it causes you to flesh out something larger from that point. And, and maybe, maybe you should, maybe you should give whatever, you know, Tim Keller credit for like originating the thought or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. When, but, but what I want to know is like, what is the mind? And this goes back to what Pipe originally said. What is the mindset of somebody that just like apes something, like just takes it and like well, puts it down and doesn't give credit for it? Like what's the mindset? Do they think they're getting away with something? You I know what I'm saying? Do. I mean, in, in the context where I see it, I mean, I, obviously I see it in the classroom and I teach at a Christian college, a great Christian college. We get great students, but Every semester, I mean, there's always one or two, you know, and I I think it comes down to a lot of times for the college student, it's a matter of, you know, I'm rushed, I'm in a hurry, I put this off, I'm going to try to like slap a bunch of things that I've cut and pasted together and and pawn it off as my own. And, And truly, like, you don't have to be in the, in the education business very long to be able to spot that. And I always, I implore my kids on day one, like, I will know. Like, I, I just will know, not because I'm the smartest guy in the world, but because it's so easy to spot it. And so I, I think, you know, laziness is one aspect of that big R. But the other the other one is, you know, I think there's so many people trying to use blogs to leverage themselves into a book deal or into some deal writing magazine articles. And people want that fame and they want the dream so bad that they're willing to you know, see something that they like and, and slap it on there and hope that nobody catches it. And, um, it's sad. I mean, I, I think you're dealing with seared consciences all across the board. And I think from a, from a Christian standpoint, that's the part of it that's most distressing to me is just the idea that, you know, we've become so hardened, you know, for one reason or another that we can just do this. But in the classroom, it's actually been a great, an, an amazing context for talking about the gospel. So inevitably this happens. The students come to class and I sit them down and I say, look, you know, there are two papers that I feel really, really strongly were plagiarized. And I say to them, if you come to me, like, 
a man and you would, you admit it, you confess to it, you repent. I, I say that that sin will be removed as far as the East is from the West in terms of our relationship. So I will be cool to you in the classroom. I'll continue to trust you with things. You know, yeah. you will have to deal with the consequence. You know, you'll get a zero on the paper. And that's, I mean, that's a model of how sin works in real life, right? I yeah. mean, yep. if I sin against someone, even if they forgive me and we restore the relationship, oftentimes <laughs> there's still, I a still have to, there's yeah. still a consequence. So I think the classroom is a great way to like, well, here's teach okay. That so I, I think um, we're getting dangerously close to being reformed pubcast right now because this is getting real it's getting real presbyterian and real serious right now okay boys let's just voices were higher let's just check ourselves for one minute let's pause let's step back let's breathe big t because that was a great everything you said was spot on it was a great sermon do you think that do you think that a lot of this comes from younger people that think they're quoting things um, that they don't think other people have heard of because they think they're the most well-read people in the world, you know? Dude, so if no, I, in other I words, if I'm, don't. oh, I mean, you don't? Okay. No, I, I see, dude, in the classroom, like, I don't know, we'll have a movie review assignment and somebody will copy and paste like a review from Roger Ebert, you know? <laughs> and it's like, th- this ran in the Chicago Sun-Times. This does not sound like college sophomore level writing, you know? Um, so, I mean, you, I, at least I anyway, get ridiculous stuff like that. And, and, I think for a writer and in pipe and big R, you guys are both writers. You'll relate to this. Like our style is so your style is what you hang your hat on. And, you know, I have a, I have a really kind of sensitive ear for style anyway. And I get to know all my students and probably all the bloggers that you read, you kind of get to know their, you know, what their stuff their sounds voice, like. Yeah. yeah. Their voice. Yeah. And if, if something deviates from that, like it's, it's jarring and you notice. <clears throat> and I think you, you said something earlier, Ted, that the, in this world of platform and using blogs, I think that's a lot to do with it because if you are writing, if you see yourself as a, as a writer, a, you know, you are trying to voice an idea or a story as well as you can in your voice, then plagiarism is anathema because it's not yeah. you. That's this, right. This is your yeah. thing. Yeah. Whereas if you are trying to use words to reach another end, you know, so, oh, I just need to get my paper turned in. And so I'm sort of taking the lazy route or, oh, I'm just trying to get eyeballs on my site by starting the best mommy blog or whatever that all of a sudden everything is a means to an end. And you don't the the sanctity of content does not matter in that context. Right, you've lost your right. integrity. You've lost well, your integrity as an artist. What, more yeah, or less. well, you're not an artist. You you're yeah. a you're a platform builder. You're right. a you're an you're a you're a click getter, not a yeah. not an artist. And I don't mean that in some sanctimonious way. I'm just talking because you can put together a site like that that is perfectly legitimate. But I think when you get into that site or into that mindset, it is where other people's content. Uh, it's easy to cross that boundary at that point because all you're trying to do is figure out what can I do to get the most eyeballs on the site and, and to to present it the best way instead of saying what am I creating to share from me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, boys, speaking of things that have been created and shared, we are in a we are in a time right now with the Olympics and uh, in kind of summer blockbuster movie season where uh, you're seeing a lot of think pieces and a lot of responses to things from a Christian standpoint, wherein let's say somebody goes to see the Bourne movie, um, which I went and saw, uh, unremarkable, a bunch of people got killed, you know, uh, Jason Bourne had like four lines of dialogue and, and then the movie was over, but, but I digress. Boy, but boy, did he look old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Boy, did he look old. Exactly. And until he took his shirt off, I, I think his youth <laughs> T. is working like 
from the neck down. That's right. He's and not, he's not drinking. You've seen this. Well, he's you not know? drinking. He's not drinking youth beer. I talked to Matt Damon a couple of days ago and I said, Matt, I go, are you like, I know you go to Tivon. I see you there yeah. almost weekly in yeah. Ashland. And I said, do you, <laughs> you know, when you order tea, you're clearly, you're not ordering right. youth berry dude he needs some he goes, berry eye cream he just said he just said yeah. i never even heard of youth berry so i actually introduced matt Damon to youth berry tea after because yeah. obviously he listened to the podcast he wanted to know more about it so we're gonna and, get um, so basically what we're gonna get is a sequel to rounders in like a year absolutely that would be great absolutely you know, so yeah I, I, he's just not drinking the right our, stuff yeah i shared youth berry tea with tommy lee jones who if you saw the Bourne movie looked like he was about 150 years old in it oh you and did good good to be I, fair, I, he's I, looked like that for like 25 years he has yeah. but but i saw him recently you guys he looks like justin bieber i mean he, he looks like a kid <laughs> so, justin bieber is tommy lee jones <laughs> so just they're one in the same you know, they're one and the same. So, so anyway, the point being, you know, we go to see these pictures. We watch these uh, soft focus, inspirational Olympic stories that undoubtedly run with uh, sports that we don't care about. And, and so you see these pieces popping up where people are trying to sort of suss out Christian themes or um, teaching or whatever based on these uh, largely secular pieces of media or sports or whatever. And um my sense is that this is annoying, although I always kind of feel like a jerk when I say that. So um, what, not, what's your take that on that, has, voice? Not that that's ever stopped us. Not that that's ever really stopped me, sadly. No, it hasn't. But uh, what do you guys think of this phenomenon, man? And I have to come clean here. Like I've done it a couple times where you know, I, I, you know what? I did it when I saw The Great Gatsby. So I see Gatsby. You have all these like – Ecclesiastes-esque thoughts, and I ended up doing a piece for GCO about it. Well, there's um, there's such a difference. I mean, t- there's a difference between The Great Gatsby and Jason Bourne. Dude, that's right. Because The Great yeah, Gatsby yeah. was a literary work of art designed yeah. to draw out those themes. Like, that was that's the right. point. That's right. And uh, Jason Bourne is not a literary anything. It's It's a mindless movie of watching Matt Damon beat people up. Which has an entertainment merit all its own. It does work on that level. Yeah, I, absolutely. I thoroughly enjoyed that aspect of it. What I didn't enjoy was the the blog piece or pieces I saw afterwards that are like Jason Bourne and a Christ figure in the gospel. Ugh. It's like, why are you ruining a perfectly fun, dumb movie? Dude, right. At no point while watching Bourne did I think any kind of spiritual thought. None. Like, no. <laughs> And, like and I, I, it was literally just okay. watching. Some, yeah, it is okay, right? But it was it, it was watching a guy beat up other guys for two hours. Big T's like I was completely secularized during that hour. And a half. Like, like literally, a- like the Holy Spirit re- removed Himself from my heart. There was not one thought. Dude, no, I'm not saying that. But I, I didn't have any intellectual like oh thinky. You know, I didn't have any of those like impulses during the movie. Big like, T was oh, like, I, gotta- I went, when I watched Jason Bourne, I become an Arminian for an hour yeah. and 30 minutes. <laughs> I really do. Man. I don't think I, I really could have do. come up. I mean, I'm sure I could have satirically come up with, but I don't think I could have come up with a genuine piece that I felt good about writing tying Jason Bourne or most summer block, like Tarzan would be another one. Like I, <laughs> I thought the Tarzan movie was another great, fun, dumb movie. Right. And, uh, it, trying to tie that to some sort of gospel reality. And I feel like if you do that, you're actually ruining people's ability to enjoy entertainment because yeah. you, you have theologized the crap out of something that is atheological and just something that is fun and fun yeah. is okay. Like fun is yeah. okay all by itself. Well, dude, this is the problem. This gets back to like the, you know, the pushback that we got from, uh, you know, hipsters as a people group or whatever. And it's just like, you know, <laughs> clearly the point of this was, was just to have a little fun, man. I mean, it's like, 
not even 500 words of haha. So, you know, take it or leave it. And, uh, you know, it's not meant to be this deep theological treatise on uh, how we reach hipsters, you know? <laughs> in fact, I, I, yeah, there, there was not even a, a hint of that in there. Not even a hint, not even a whiff, right? I think, yeah, I I think people, people do the same thing with – I mean so we got the Olympics going on right now. <clears throat> the, there is no greater like feeding trough for terrible Christian think pieces than, <laughs> than the Olympics. That's true, man. I mean it's, it's everything from here are 15 Christian athletes you should root for. Like well, yeah. none of them are going to win gold medals. So why do I want to root for them? And, right. uh, and all the way to like all the things we can learn about glory and pursuit of glory and single-mindedness and all this stuff. And like the fact that I can rattle these things off tells oh, you yeah. just how much it is because I haven't read any of these pieces. I've only seen the blog titles. And but I'm dude, just, we grew up with this kind of language. Man. Yeah, we this did. is not true, new. Every four yeah. years, you that's get true. This I could junk. I could actually write the piece for next. What would that be? The tw- the twenty twenty Olympics. I could go ahead and write the blogs now. Dude, you could fill, write a fill in the names like then. format of the piece yeah. and just drop in different names yeah. and different events, and you got the piece. You I know, mean, and I don't I don't really care much about the Olympics. It's you know I enjoy watching the the things that stand out to me about it are how how intense the competitors are, how mm-hmm. joyful the families are, and the way they celebrate when they when they win. Because yeah. that's not something you see in most professional sports, and it is it is refreshing. But but like it it ruins the enjoyment of what could be a very entertaining and sometimes spectacular event to to theologize it. And it's constant. It is mm-hmm. it, and this is coming from somebody who wrote something like, I don't know, 200 articles about sports from a Christian perspective for world magazines. And sometimes I yeah. felt dirty doing it because I'm like, I think I just Jesus juked people for 500 words. Yeah, right. Man. <laughs> I think I just ruined the Super Bowl, you know? Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, it's exactly. Ugh, it's the worst. Yeah. Big R, what, uh, what are your thoughts on this, baby? A, have you seen the Bourne movie? B, have you watched any minutes of the Olympics? Um, a, I've seen every Bourne movie, but the, uh, the fake one that came out before this new one, I've not seen like the, Jeremy, the new one. The yet. Jeremy Renner spinoff. Dude, now see, yeah. I liked that one. Actually. I thought it was pretty fun yeah. too. I, I wasn't, that was the only I wasn't one trying to make commentary. I was just being funny on that. Yeah, that was the um, only one that deviated from the, you know, the kind of formula of of all the other ones. I, I enjoyed it for that reason. But uh, anyway, big R. Yeah, but I, yeah, so I haven't seen them. I saw the I saw the 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 uh, the original ones, which I liked. Yeah. You know, for, yeah. no big deal. And um, you know, I have not seen one. I, I take that back. I saw some row 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 your boating yesterday on the screen at a, mm. at, a at a hipster cafe I was at waiting for a, an appointment. But uh, dude, so the hipster so, cafe had rowing on. Yeah, it had a big, it had like a big screen. It that's was like, showing. Like, that's the, like the anti-hipster sport. That's like was, the ultimate yuppie sport. The ultimate it was like, yuppie. It was like my women, dad owns six companies, kind of sport. It was like women you know? solo rowing. I it was like bafflingly. Nice. It was so boring. It was, um, yeah. but um, you know, I just think so. This is the thing, right? This is where I come from. I, I think there's a lot of fear and guilt when Christians watch anything. Um, within the entertainment realm and for some you know yeah. and we we've come from that era where it's like it's mindless entertainment anything that's mindless we got to yeah, like don't have a tv you know that whole thing well yeah. and look i think Guilty i don't think everybody charged. i don't think yeah. everybody has, i don't think everybody necessarily is coming from it from an extreme bent so yeah you know you got people that want to redeem the time and they want to watch something they want to draw something from it that can be um instructive and it can be edifying and you know i think that that's fine i mean that's fine you know, sure. and I and I think I think there's times that we do that even unwittingly, and then there's times mm-hmm. where we just watch things and we're like, man, that was man, he that was a great, um, 
You know, that was a great performance. And I think it's enough yeah. for it to be a great performance. We know that the great performance was only, he was only able to do that because of God's, you know, hand on his life to give him the mm-hmm. kind of skills necessary to, you know, to, to, uh, you know, to create that kind of performance. Like we, we would agree with that and we get that. Um, but I don't, I don't know that it has to be sort of, as you would say, Big T, sussed out to the degree that, I think the world expects that from us and maybe starts yeah. rolling our eyes because they think that we're just sort of a, uh, we're, we're just sort of a, uh, you know, we're, we're sort of a one word on this whole thing. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think we need to be careful of it from that standpoint. Like we should be able to sit down with our neighbors who does not know Christ, watch the Olympics and go, dude, what'd you think of Phelps? Like that was over the top, you know, yeah. past, past yeah. the pretzels and, and exactly. then just move on from that. You know. As as opposed to playing like it, it's like the, the the six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon game, uh, except it's like six degrees of separation from Jesus Christ. And so you, you have to you start with Michael Phelps and like what's the fewest number of steps you can get to Jesus from? Like Michael Phelps to what brings you brings you to Christ? And that's that's like the the Christian way of in, quote unquote enjoying uh, sports, at which takes all the enjoyment right out of sports or movies. Exactly. Yeah, and I think we're sensitive to that, right? We grew up in sort of a culture where it was everybody trying to draw that from entertainment as a way to redeem entertainment. And for, you know, for some of us who are not, you know, for some of us of, of which entertainment hasn't become a big problem or a big idol for us, we can just take it for what it is. And um, if, if the opportunity arises in that to say, you know, man, when I look at Phelps, man, I see a dude that has just like surpassed other athletes and his skill and his dedication, and his devotion. And, um, you know, maybe if there's some things to draw from that, we can do it in a way that doesn't sound like agonizing. You know what I mean? I don't know. You know? Now, boys, uh, speaking of entertainment, last topic, uh, we are in the entertainment business. We are entertainment professionals moguls uh moguls mogul. if you will i like we've mogul. been a, we've been approached uh by by someone who's close to to this program uh someone who was involved in the the history of the program um and he is he is asked to be involved again in a in a limited way uh as we near our 100th app i think what number is this guys that we're this recording is, this right will now? be 99 so we're very near wow. to our 100th app. this is 99 so the hundredth app. We are in negotiations uh, with the camp of Trogues, Stephen Altrogi, uh, to see if we can bring him back onto the program for one episode. It's a somewhat cantankerous um, camp, I must say. It's it's what it always was, Pipe. You know, I, I saw <laughs> you guys. It's true. I saw your dialogues yesterday, and I thought this this is this is Trogues. This is who he is. This is the old Trogues. I mean, so, maybe that maybe that's a good sign. Maybe it means he's he's back to his old self. Uh, maybe re- he will come onto the program with a renewed sense of vigor. I mean, um, do they let him have like like podcasting time along with like conjugal <laughs> visits? I mean, does that Dude, like, got, is he allowed to do that? No, he has got to, a little arts and no, crafts. He, he has to and, pick one, which is why this is such a big deal because he he chose this. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like I was just a, wondering. I didn't. Deal. Yeah, yeah. He, he I didn't think they'd this. let him. Yeah. So, uh, so Lord willing, we will get Trogs back on the program. <laughs> this is Trogs' one phone call. It's Trogs' <laughs> one phone call he gets from uh, from from parts unknown. Uh, but uh, yeah. So so boys, what's the over under on number of days that will go by after Trogs is on the program before he asks to come back full time onto the program? Well, I, uh, I, I'm, you know, I haven't given, you know, I haven't given the uh, the okay for Trogues to come back on yet. So this is another conversation. Big R, listen, I mean, man, he's going to get a taste of this fame, and 
the, the the kind of decadence that we're accustomed to in, in this space, and he he's going to want back. Man. Big T, I don't know if it's healthy for Trogues to come back on even for one app. I'm just I don't know that it you. is. I, I think uh, you know, we're, we're it's playing like an alcoholic with fire. in a liquor store. That's it what I'm really saying. Is. What do, I mean, what it are we really doing? Is. Right? That's like that's like a that's like a hipster at a log company. I mean, I don't know oh. that I don't know that that's a healthy direction. For Trogues, like so, guys. I mean, what are right? We doing do, do we love? Do you we know? love Trogues, or do we just? Are we inviting him into to to the hell that is the Happy Rant? I are mean, we I, trying to use Trogues? Well, because that's what I'm saying. It's his hell, not yeah. not ours. To be clear, I know, but I just don't feel like we're. I don't feel you know. Going back to what we said a minute ago, are, are we loving him well? Are we yeah. are we are we loving Trogues well by allowing him into something that's going to be so damaging well, to him? Boy, that literally right, sent in him into rehab and, and eventually jail. I mean, is in that, an, a, is that a, in an event to get an event, I think, to get himself back into our good graces, Trogues, uh, he actually suggested the last topic for today, man. And he I did get into this. He did it completely unironically, too. I mean, that's the amazing bit. It wasn't like there was no like subtle jab at us. In yeah, the there was no this. subtle jab. It didn't come wrapped in the usual Trogesian insult that usually accompanies, you know, each each bit of correspondence. Um, but you know what? Can I digress for a second? Speaking of crappy movies, um, <laughs> Zach Bartles and I have this thing where we, when we get together, we watch it just a turd of a movie and just make fun of it. Um, but to make it a perfect movie for this context, like it has to be fun enough to watch that while we're making fun of it, we still enjoy it. And um, so, what, what's like the the perfect movie? Dude, all right. For so, such a thing? so like the, the the king of that genre was Point Break, right? Maybe the old mm. Point Break, Keanu <laughs> yeah. Reeves, yeah. Swayze, just junk, man. It's just a garbage movie, right? But it's fun to watch. And uh, so we wa- we watched Point Break, and it occurred to us that every bit of male dialogue in Point Break starts with the two men screaming insults at each other, and then they bring it down a level to like making some sort of like snide sexual insult to one another, and then only after those two things have happened can can real normal like dialogue take place. <laughs> and that that was the that was the framework for every male conversation in uh, in Point Break, and I, I think it's similar with Trogues, man. Like the 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 piece of dialogue just always comes wrapped in that little insult. But uh, but Trogues threw this at us, and I want you guys to consider this uh, thoughtfully. Um, don't don't speak too uh, too rapidly on this. But the question is, if you were to host a reality program, that is, if you had a chance to to look at the whole smorgasbord of reality TV out there. And host one of the shows. What show would you host? Pipe, I'm going to throw this to you first. Man, uh, wait. Are we answering for ourselves, or we, or am I picking for you guys? Oh, uh, you're you're answering for yourself, All and right. then maybe if we want to do the other way, we can do that too. Okay. Ah, uh, let's see. Reality TV. Um, I think I need something where I could freely insult people. Uh, yeah. I mean the the classic would be like the Simon Cowell role in. Uh, what is he at? America's Got Talent originally. Yeah, yeah, American yeah. Idol. I mean, I, I don't know enough about music to, uh, to, to be an accurate judge, but I'm not sure he knows anything about music either. I think he's just a successful producer by accident. Um, and he had the, he had the white, like, tight T-shirts. Yeah, the, that yeah left that's so you, That is yeah, so you. And you he know? just yeah he just has that really <laughs> snide look on his face the whole time yeah. so that the singers are always just wondering does he hate me um, right. I, I I mean that could be a good fit although I think it may play to the worst aspects of my personality that uh, wouldn't be good for your character no uh, I think I could do a good job at it I'm really yeah it's good like Trogues coming on the rant right it's not going to play to his character yeah I think, you know. I think I uh, think I think an, an 
I don't know that I have the personality for it, but the Anthony Bourdain, basically, I get to travel anywhere, do crazy stuff, and eat whatever Dude, I, I want. Dude, I love that show. Like, man. I think that's love a better that fit for you, Ted. Yeah, like, I could do that. I could totally see doing that, man. Lots of interviewing, lots of eating. Try it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you no. basically get to go to exotic places, learn yeah. about cultures, uh, sort of learn about cultures, and and try the best they have to offer to eat. That sounds uh, that sounds amazing, dude. I, it does. It I think it's so a way amazing. better fit for you, and I would actually watch that show, though. Dude, we should all three host that show together. We we should turn this into that show. <laughs> <laughs> Big R, what about you, baby? What are you feeling? Dude, you know what, man? You know which one I would like to do, man? I, I don't know if you guys remember this reality show. It's from a few years ago, but it was this it was this weirdo. It was this weirdo show called like I think it was called like Frontier House. What? And it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was um it was literally like three families that went out into the plains of like Montana and oh, lived Jesus. like little house on the prairie from like the eighteen hundreds. And wow. they all had to like they all had to like live in this one room like house with no the running sh- water. The show ended when they all froze to death in Dude, February. absolutely. And it shows them like in the winter literally freezing to death. Dude, like, now I, this sounds amazing. What uh what network carried this? Like who, dude, who, I, who carried I don't this? know. It it lasted. It might have been I like think, the history channel or something. I remember yeah, seeing promos for it. Was it. Like two, it went like two or three seasons and i had friends me and me and my friends used to like talk about it and just like talk about the different aspects of it and you yeah. had to like wear like old like frontier clothing and, and like, like you had your one and, like, boots. dude yeah and you yeah. had like you had to like plant plant like a garden you had to have like a cow to get your milk like you yes. had to live like that and i just thought yeah all right i'll give that a shot like, wait why so not? Dude, do you want to host the show or do you want to like go live in montana in a you know dirt house <laughs> i mean i would rather have like the super nice trailer like what you can't see on the side of it and host it <laughs> yeah, while they're you're like, well they're starving to death <laughs> like, you're in the trailer getting like massages staring and at your window and, sipping coffee yeah. and going Man, right like, that kind, like kind of watching close. it like being in the mix of it would be great yeah. without having to suffer like the the yeah the frozen tundra aspect of it like oh, during I totally the agree. Yeah, so I don't know. I thought that one would be interesting, you know. Or you know, I don't know, man. I, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's it's hard to say. I, I visual like Big T. I, I visualize either you or Pipe. Like, you know what? I'd like to see you guys do. Like, be what? the guy on America's Funniest Home Videos. You know, that's oh, kind of rea- that's kind of reality a little bit. <laughs> no, but just no. like being there and just no, knowing, we, hey, we can't fill I, the Bob Saget shoes, dude. I just show, I just feel like that's me. the easiest gig in the world, though. Easiest dude, show has gig such in the sad, world. Like, I, I envision like. Uh, gross like teenagers from from like sad small towns like drinking mountain dew and eating like chips while they watch that show but dude, it's it just makes like me the, feel sad but the host of it you can tell it's like dude this is a good gig i get paid a I'm lot here, of money and i feel money. like i'm, I'm dying yeah yeah, exactly. yeah. I, i'm dying inside my career is over like, right, dude, and I love that part of it. I yeah, love well, that. Tom, Tom Bergeron hosted that, and then went from there. He may still host it. I don't know. And then went from that to hosting Dancing with the Stars, and that was an upgrade. Like yeah, that's yeah, that's how low yeah. that show is, dude. That show is the lowest, man. That's I the lowest. It. It's almost you know like, funny you know, though. You know what? It I, feels like it feels like Christian television. America's <laughs> funniest home videos feels like Christian dude, television. What's funny, what's funny about that show, man? So we lived in France for a while a couple years ago. And uh, we're hanging around, hanging around, you know, hanging out with French friends, watching TV. And I flip on, I flip on the TV, and I'm expecting like, I don't know, everything to be like the bicycle thief in France. Like everything's really already on on TV over there, uh, except that it's not. And they have their own version of America's Funniest Home Video, where like everybody's getting nutshotted and like, you know, falling off a a bike, and it's it's the same stuff, man. And it's like no, I, I was both like, <laughs> no, it's it's. Lots of, lots of broken baguettes and things like that. 
dude yeah broken baguettes yeah uh, etc but uh but yeah it, it kind of made me sad that their reality tv was as lowbrow as ours and in fact they had a reality figure skating show like so instead of dancing with the stars it was like figure skating with the stars and uh you know the guy gets out there on the pair of skates and he stumbles around for a while and then a, a few episodes <laughs> in he's doing like you know, pirouettes and, and whatnot. <laughs> Some triple guys, um, or something. Yeah. Guys, yeah. I want to, uh, if you'll allow me, man, I would like to share something with you that could be a really interesting uh, topic for the next rant. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not 100, but 101. Okay. Okay. Um, I, in the 80s, was on a Christian game show program. Oh, no. For like a month. As, as, a, as a competitor? As a competitor. For a month? Judas, for a month. You, what was the you name got a, of the you, show? It, it was for a month because I actually won the whole thing. That's why. That's why okay. I kept coming back. It was, it was a show called – it was called The One-Way Game. Okay. It was on the Trinity Broadcasting Network, so it was obviously oh. super corrupt. But, um, Dude, but how you, in the H did you get that gig? Guys, that, that'll, that'll be a great topic for another time. Oh, I we're just not wanted, going into it now. I, no, I just want – I, that's a teaser. I just wanted to throw that in there because it reminded me of this was pre-reality show. This is yeah. when we had these things called game shows. Game um, shows. If you guys remember that? Oh, absolutely. Game shows were the money. So this was kind of like a, 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 a you know, sort of like a, uh, you know, what do you call it? Like a, uh, well, I'll, I'll explain. It. I'll explain it on the road. I'll explain. Yeah, oh, man, I can't wait. That's uh, that's one that we won't want to miss. Uh, yeah, you me, guys didn't know I was a game show star, did you? Oh, there there are one way game clips on there YouTube. Are. Indeed, oh. there are. I, I knew, I knew, Piper. I knew your silence was that you were clicking away, you were googling your life away on that one. Well, yeah, we don't use Wikipedia for much, but when Rudy no, says he's no, on no, a game no. show, we need video proof. That's Dude, right. Yeah, those extensive files of Christian game shows from the eighties. Oh, man, it's huge! It's huge. There's yeah. the big vintage market for that big team. Mm, yeah, very. The, the host very has hipster. Donald Trump's hair. He does. He does. He indeed, he does. That's I can tell amazing. you some stories about him. He was, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, backstage yeah. that guy was crazy. Oh. I mean, it was just a, the, the, just the decadence. BT. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it yeah. was it's yeah. another era. You know yep. what? No, you know I what know, other man. kinds of show would be really fun to to host? What's is, that? Is all the white trash game shows. So like <laughs> the uh, the what are they? The uh, like the, the all American pickers and the uh, oh yeah the ones where they go around and like they basically dumpster dive. And then there's the one. What is it? The storage wars. Yeah. And, uh, just just like the trashiest bunch of of people involved in those but they're reality tv stars in their own right i feel like that would be tons of fun to host just from like a sitting back and being like what is going on here this would Dude, be- you wouldn't you wouldn't have any pressure you know what i mean oh, no, you like, know that you just yeah your audience like, is oh, very yeah here's, yeah here's yeah. here's crazy steve who's uh just gonna buy this entire dumpster's worth of stuff for seven thousand dollars in money that he stole from his grandma and he's <laughs> I mean- gonna buy a bomb and blow it up on the air you know, just I mean, dude, can. obviously I would have loved to have hosted that crazy like pastors reality show from last yes. year. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> what? It's, dude, I, I don't even know. Yeah, it was like it was like Real Housewives, but it was a it was show. man. It was like oh, a, it was amazing. like a, it was it was health and wealth dudes from yeah. like L.A. that were like super rich and they wanted to show like, no, these guys are these guys are just like us and watch the ways that they struggle and how hard it is to be dude, a pastor all these, like, of like a, dudes that have had like uh, face. Yeah, like a, and, and, exactly. Yeah. They, they all have like 15,000 plus person mega churches and you know oh, i love you know, it man what yeah, a train insane. wreck yeah, yeah that is insane it was a train wreck for sure boys i'll leave you with this and then i gotta get going but uh, i would host a show called the great british bake-off have you seen this big r <laughs> no oh dude it's so good you and it w. sounds w. amazing would love this thing man so it's uh it's a british show 
they get all these people, all these like amateur bakers from across Great Britain. And uh, they start with a bunch of them. So they start with like, I don't know, 25 people. And they're in this huge room uh, in which there are like ovens for all of them to use and like kitchen equipments. And they get an assignment. So the assignment could be like, uh, you know, I don't know, bake some, um, some, some, Eclairs, thank you, Double K. Double K. Oh, I want to say hi to Double K me. for us. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for so, coming in. Well, we yeah, got a special. We got a special guest on the program, guys. It's Double K, Kristen Cluck. <laughs> exactly. So you'll have some old guy who's like you know eighty five, and he's been uh, you know doing this his whole life on an amateur basis, and they had some like teenage girl who really loved to bake, and and so people get whittled out. You have to eliminate a few people in every app, and then it. Uh, it culminates in a in a championship uh, kind of scenario. What, but, uh, what network hosts that? Baby, I don't even know, but it was on Netflix. And here's the thing I loved about it, man. Compared to American food shows, it was so like collegial and fun. And there wasn't that sense of like competitive, I hate you, I'm going to rip your eyes out. Like, <laughs> like, like that kind of vibe. It was just like everybody or like was really if I, Or if like I lose, my entire life is Dude, completely over. Dude, if I lose, over. my life is over. <laughs> you know, in the American cooking shows, they're always – they're forever doing the whole Olympic thing where they're like – well, you know, Bev is baking for her son, you know, Ryan, who's got right. no arms and no legs, you know, and, and it's like Judas. They, <laughs> they, they load it up with so much pressure that you really are crushed when the person loses. But, uh, but yeah, this show is real. It's real chill, man. Well, if it's, it's on Netflix, I'm going to check it, man. That sounds Yeah, Great British Bake Off. That's right. the show for me. The, British television never fails to entertain me. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. They do a nice job. It's, I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's just like the understatedness of it. American contestants on on game shows and reality TV always make me want to smack them. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so so I'm down with the Brits, and I'm gonna have to check that one out. Dude, Dub and I are watching this show right now. This this drama. It's a British show called Foils War. Have you heard of this? No. Each app, there's like ah, oh, there's a ungodly. Dude, you're like the British apps. guy. You're like oh, the I've British seen, dude. I've now. seen a couple episodes of this. Dude, it's good, but yeah. each app is like 90 minutes long, and it's so subtle, like. Action is like, you know, foil, like raising an eyebrow, you know, and this guy's so understated. Have you guys seen Broadchurch? No, but I heard it was good, man. Yeah. Kind of in the same way. I think both of you guys would love it. It's it's another, it's another British uh, mystery show. um, And it's, it, there isn't action, but there's, you know, but there's tons of suspense and the character development, everything brilliantly written. David Tennant's the main actor in it and just crushes it. It's so good. So check out that one too. If you like, if you like Brits doing stuff on TV. I do because I like Down Abbey. So there you go. We're all basically British. And, and I like Dagar, Down Abbey because there is no action; it's only dialogue. And that's we what should I'm, do a whole so. Down Abbey app, man. I mean, I know that thing is over forever, oh, but I, I think just seen it just to help us through the grief. Pipe, here's what we need to do: you need to watch a few apps of that thing and report back. You need to watch uh, the entire. You need to take a couple of days, watch all you know six seasons. And know, it, that's true. That sounds that's like true. A, that sounds like a serious relational commitment. It, Dude, it, it is. is. Yeah, it you is. need to go steady with Downton Abbey for yeah, a while. Yeah, you do. Yeah, <laughs> you need to make out with Downton Abbey. You need to make oh, out in a in a in a parked car with Downton Abbey. You I need to give. I'm, I don't think I'm ready to commit, guys. You need to I, give Downton Abbey your Letterman's jacket and your ooh. class ring. Yeah. All right, I'll think about it. Do it. And, and on that note. And on that note, Rachel the Held Evans. No, seriously. <laughs> we've <laughs> actually seriously. I do need to go. So uh, so we've wandered to and fro. Uh, join us next time, uh, hopefully for the resurrection of Trogues' radio career. Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.